Sweet Lord, please have mercy. Baby Jesus, please save us. I know I used up my three favors. Back to center like a week later. New car, speed racer, copper crib, need acres. Most of all, we all need prayer. Karma coming, beware. I don't know where I'm going, but I hope I'm on the right path. Life will hit you with a light jab. Mike Tyson, strike back. You niggas going out, slight sad. Boy, I'm all about my back. New drip, I grab. I just wanna get my life back. It's no complaining on this side. My nigga shit is not tolerated. Cause some niggas off like an operation. Now my team way more concerned. Well, there is a lot of complaining. Unlike YB and Corday says there. Uh I could tell you a couple fan bases uh that after that NFL draft uh were a little confused. Had a couple of complaints about a couple of picks that might have been made. Uh yeah. But we'll get to that. This is the last word podcast. I'm Steve Artebello. I am Angela Lippa. You can get us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your fine podcasts, Last Word Podcast, Angela Lippo, Steve Artbello. You can find us there. You know, download us, subscribe, maybe leave a five-star rating. We appreciate it. We do. That's how you get all of your sports information weekly. But let's get right to it. We did our last podcast on the Thursday morning. Uploaded it on the Friday, so after the draft happened. But you knew, if you listened, that we hadn't seen the draft yet because we recorded in the morning. And Angelo gave you all a little nugget. that Maybe the Raiders were going to do something crazy. They weren't the only ones, though. No. And you want to know something? It's scary that they aren't the biggest losers of this draft. No. They didn't do the craziest thing in this draft. That's the thing. It's amazing. I, you know what? Congratulations, John Gruden and Mike Mayock. You weren't last. It's kind of like next year for you. You're not going to be last place, but you're going to be damn near close. <laughs> just just letting Dave Gettleman take it all by himself. So, I guess we'll go winners, the losers, and then the Giants, because we have to talk about Dave <laughs> Gettleman and Daniel Jones, because it was ridiculous. Yeah. I'm going to come off right off the hop. I'll tell you who my winner is. Well. Get Angelo's winner. We'll move on to the loser, and then we'll talk about the Giants. And uh, my winner, actually Angelo's team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they paid a very hefty price. They traded their first this year, their second this year, their third next year, which is actually going to be replaced by Le'Veon Bell signing with the Jets. So it wasn't that big, but at the same time, a first and a second, that's a, that's a good amount to move up. They moved up, I believe, what were they picking, 24? They were picking 20th, and they moved up, ah, they moved up they moved 10, 10 spots, spots, if I'm not mistaken. It's 10 or 11 spots to get that pick. But the key, the reason I call them the winner, since Ryan Shazier's injury, the Pittsburgh Steelers have missed Ryan Shazier. They need a type of linebacker that there is not that many of. There's Deion Jones in Atlanta. There was Ryan Shazier. Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley's a freak. But then other than that, the guys that could really cover ground in the middle of a defense, there's not many of them. No. And when you look at Devin Bush, who is who they traded up to go get, he fits that mold absolutely perfectly. Their number one need was to replace Ryan Shazier. They hadn't been able to do it. And now it looks like they probably will be able to with someone of Devin Bush. Now, again, he's a rookie. We haven't seen anything. But if you look at his tape... He brings back memories of, well, the funny thing was they talked in the draft. He reminded them of Deion Jones. And they they also talked that he reminded them of Ryan Shazier, the perfect player 
for this Steelers team, who, by the way, has an aging quarterback who they've locked up for three more years. So this is about time to push it all into the middle and just start going for it. And that's what they did, and that was a nice move. It was a great move. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with what the Steelers did in this draft. They were able to acquire a player, one, that's going to help their defense play the style that they were able to play with Ryan Chazier, which was a very it was a hybrid style. Vince Williams could do his own thing. The safeties could kind of roam. You had your defensive line kind of taking the brunt along with your outside linebackers. It was a style that worked for the Steelers, and they were very successful up until that unfaithful Monday night where Ryan Chazier ended up injuring his spinal cord. And has been on this road to Thank God recovery. he's walking again. Yeah, like it doing box it was, jumps. Like it was doing, pretty bad at one. It point. was like I didn't like when I saw. I watched. The, I watched the game. It was I, I stayed at home. I watched the game, and it was a moment. I was like, man, this is this is not good. And nobody's like nobody's saying anything. Nobody knows what had happened, and when it happened, it, it, and you know the, the aftermath of it, it was it was so unfortunate because he like. I, I had talked with another Steelers fan about a week and a half before that injury. And I said, I go, how Ryan Shazier might not get the recognition of being such a, an, uh, an elite middle linebacker, but I go, he could he could be nominated. I'm not saying he's going to win a defensive player of the year, but he could be nominated the way he's played this year because he's been unbelievable. He's the heart and soul of that defense. And when he got hurt, the Steelers lost that edge, and they didn't have it. And they tried to fill it with other guys. Sean Spence, who the Steelers had drafted many moons ago, tried to come in and, and, and be that guy. And, and, you know, A for effort, but he's not Ryan Shazier. And then last year, signing John Bostick, who was a faster linebacker, but, you know, not, not something to write home about. And they had Morgan Brunette kind of in there. They tried to use a safety because yeah. Shazier basically ran like a safety. So mm-hmm. maybe you bring a safety in to replace him, and then that didn't work because Morgan Burnett couldn't actually play middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. And then the injuries, because Morgan Burnett... Always gets hurt. We, we had this conversation, actually, when they signed Morgan Burnett. We gave you a preview because I was like, a friend of mine is a Packers fan, and what he observes of Morgan Burnett is, for eight games, Morgan Burnett's going to be good. For four, he's going to suck because he's going to play injured through them, and then he's going to miss another four because he'll finally actually take the time off to get the injury healed. And unfortunately for Angelo Steelers, he got hurt right off the hop, and it... He was never right, really, all year. It just it didn't really work out. No. So you went, you addressed your number one need. They also needed corners, so what did they do? They traded up. They got a corner. Interestingly enough, though, if you saw Devin Bush, you definitely saw the highlight of him destroying Michigan State's logo at center field. Also, I would like to point out that nobody wanted any smoke with Devin Bush no. while he did that, and he went out to their sideline looking for all the smoke. Funny enough, the corner that the Steelers drafted comes from... State exactly now, talented corner again. That's what they needed. The Steelers not only did they trade up and get their number one need with the rest of their picks, they managed to address the depth that they needed elsewhere. They needed a corner, so they traded up. They managed to go get themselves a corner. They 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 needed an edge rusher, so they went and drafted an edge rusher. They needed an extra offensive lineman. They drafted one in the sixth round, I believe. In the seventh round, their final pick of the draft was was four. I think the biggest. I, I thought the funniest thing of the entire draft was that the Steelers had an extra third-round pick. And it had been their first pick since since they selected Bush back at pick number 10. So it was some time. And what did the Steelers do with that pick from 
the Oakland Raiders, <laughs> by the way, who when they traded, uh, how they acquired that pick was for a disgruntled wide receiver named Mr. Big Chest. <laughs> they drafted a wide receiver out of the MAC conference. Ironically enough, the same conference that one Mr. Big Chest played out of. He also runs a 4-5, but plays above that, which Sounds also sweet. happened to be Mr. Big Chest. And same height as Mr. Big Chest. He's a kick returner. Like Mr. Big Chest was. And I just found it funny that they selected Deontay Johnson. A lot of people were a little surprised by the pick because there were other wide receivers. But the one thing I've come to realize about the Steelers is when they draft a wide receiver, I just trust I've learned to just trust him. It doesn't matter who it is. I trust that they'll do the right thing. And for him, he's coming into a good situation. There's not going to be a lot of pressure. He's going to be a kick, punt, returner, and he's going to take guys like Juju off of off of it. It's been an area that Kevin Colbert's tried to address for so many years and never, like, Juju returned kicks and A.B. returned Continued kicks. to return kicks yeah. even when he was leading the league in receptions and yards and touchdowns and everything. Exactly. So for now, this is – it's – He's not going to be rushed in because the Steelers have they what they're hoping in James Washington in a second year. He's more comfortable in the offense. They signed Dante Moncrief. They have Eli Rogers. So this is going to be the fifth wide receiver, maybe the fourth. Maybe he bumps Eli Rogers or yeah, even Dante. Bump Eli Rogers. I think so too. I think Moncrief with Ben is going to have a. Good, I think for he, while he's while he's healthy because he will get hurt. I know, but while he's healthy, I think him and Ben are going to have a good time. Yeah, and. They did exactly what they did in free agency, where they signed a linebacker, a wide receiver, and a cornerback. Those were their first three picks in this draft: a linebacker, a wide receiver, and a cornerback. They addressed needs. They got Devin Bush, and a lot of people have said best player probably in the in the draft, best defensive player. You know, it's defensive players are so like, you know, there's there was a great amount of uh, defensive the defensive line players, a lot of edge rushers. But those middle linebackers, we saw the premium that's put on middle linebackers. C.J. Mosley signed a big deal with Jets. $17 million per. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a big deal for a middle linebacker. And you see how Luke Keekley's paid, and you see how hard it is to find really great middle linebackers. And I think the Steelers got one with with Bush. I was, I, was, I, was, I was actually playing. I didn't see the pick. I was actually playing hockey at the time. <laughs> so when I got off the ice, I had no idea what, what had happened. When I got off the ice, the Raiders did a boo-boo. And we'll talk about the Raiders' boo-boo. I laughed at it because it was hilarious. But the Raiders did their thing. So I was kind of – I didn't know what was happening. I just assumed, okay, Steelers are probably going to draft Byron Murphy or Greedy Williams or maybe they're going to trade down, depending on what they feel like. And they found the trading partner with the Denver Broncos because they wanted Noah Fant after Hawkinson went to the Lions. And it all worked out. Steelers get their linebacker who's going to be a day-one starter. I don't care what anybody says. And he'll be playing with Mark Barron and Vince Williams and, you know, all those guys. I'm, exci- I'm excited about this draft. My winner of the draft is actually a team. It, it It's a toss-up, but it's because of the picks that they acquired in this deal for a potential franchise quarterback. It could be the Washington Redskins not do, doing stupid things. They The Washington Redskins are, like, right there for my winner. Which is weird because it's the Redskins. It's the Redskins. They, they do dumb things. They do all dumb the things. Time. Their it's, owner is ridiculous, especially for a quarterback. And they got Dwayne Haskins, which is uh, it's perfect because he's not going to have to start. He sits behind Case Ke- uh, Case Keenum. He gets to learn. He gets to understand the offense. And the most important thing is he gets to develop. 
Yes, Jay def- Gruden has a nice history of developing quarterbacks. It's gonna it the Washington Redskins did a very good thing. They didn't go up and do stupid things. They let the draft fall to them. They let the Giants do stupid things because they're a disaster. And they got their guy at the end of the day. But my winner was another team who managed to replace a quarterback who is awful. Ryan Tannehill is the worst, one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever watched play football. How he still has a job at this point in his career is amazing because he's never done anything to show me he's going to be really good. He was a wide receiver in college. That's, that's the best part about this whole like, thing. He played one year quarterback. Yeah, it's like oh, one year quarterback. Okay, he's our guy. <laughs> he won the, <laughs> what? the first round? Are you, are you? Yeah. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. But the Miami Dolphins are a big, big winner in this draft. They uh, one, it started with the acquisition of Josh Rosen. I think that was a. They gave up nothing. Considering the Cardinals traded up to draft Rosen number ten, so they traded a third and I think there was a, I think it was a second and a third to move up. Yeah. So they get into they get into the tenth pick. They take Rosen and then they sell Rosen for a second and a fifth. It's a lot of wasted draft capital. Magic beans. Here you go, Arizona, because you know what you aren't able to do: draft quarterbacks. Okay, I don't know what Josh Rosen's going to be. Nobody does because we watched him play behind the worst offensive line in football. They have the they had one of the worst rushing attacks, which is stupid when you have David Johnson. Well, it was their original uh, offensive coordinator no, didn't no, no, like no. to use him. It's properly. not. It's not a knock on David Johnson. No, no, it's a knock on that exactly. offensive scheme, and it's them not having the offensive line to now you know to protect Josh Rosen. So that, you know you, you protect your franchise quarterback. And you know Larry Fitzgerald is one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, but Larry's older now and there's only one of him. Exactly. But the Miami Dolphins won getting Josh Rosen, not having to go crazy and waste a high pick on Dwayne Haskins or you know anything crazy or even being bad. Like they could be bad next year and they could end up still drafting Tua. And it's not going to be that bad of an idea. Because you it's a second and a fifth. Yeah. But you got Josh Rosen. And you have a new system. And clearly, the new system in Miami is going to work out very nicely because they've traded down. They've acquired more picks. They got picks next year. They have extra picks for next year. Like, they, I think they have two second rounders. So this pick that they gave away is just, there you go. It's a pick we acquired. We got more. It's It was a fantastic move by the Miami Dolphins. And they're on the right direction. They're almost doing what a certain team that plays in Bust Massachusetts, excuse me, in in Foxborough, because now they have a head coach, they have a system. Let's let's try and replicate this system. Well, we'll see because their head coach we, is a, we will as see. a Patriots defensive coordinator. But so it's it's hit and miss, but they're on the right path. I think getting Josh Rosen, you get you finally are able to get Ryan Tannehill out. That's the start. You need to start with getting Ryan Tannehill. And then in the and and even in the first round they drafted Christian Wilkins, who fell to them at thirteen. Who fell literally, like, like literally, there were some other dumb like picks a bowling made. ball falling onto a, a bed, you know, like in those <laughs> Tempur Pedic commercials. Yeah, that same thing. He's a bowling ball. It's falling to him. It hits the Miami Dolphins, and the Miami Dolphins ran. It also up hit there. Roger Goodell. <laughs> it also hit Roger Goodell. He was he was so pumped. It was great to see. I love. I honestly like. It's such a great. Interaction. See some of these guys. Like, oh yeah, the stories. Some of these guys. Like, you know, the the upbringings. The how they how they deal with certain things. How they like Josh Jacobs, who was drafted by the Oakland Raiders, is homeless. Yeah, 
Like <laughs> literally homeless. And the day one pick. Yeah. Like th- First round pick. you don't you can't write these stories. That's also I'm a sorry. guy who wasn't scouted. Nick Saban saw something in him and was just like, hmm, I'm gonna make you a running back. <laughs> I'm gonna do something with you. I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna make you something and we're gonna hope and pray. And they've done the right thing. But getting Wilkins, getting getting Josh Rosen, acquiring more picks, being ready that even if they're bad next year, it's not going to matter because they have all these picks. They're building towards the right thing. It was a great, great day for the, for the Miami Dolphins. I'm not a Dolphins fan at all. I like to see them <laughs> suffer. But I think they did very, very well when they, when they got Wilkins and acquired one Joshua Rose. Because we don't know, but hey, you know what? He's a guy that was a top 10 pick last yeah. year, and you got him for a second and a fifth. Yeah. You didn't have to, like... You didn't have to waste a pick last year. You got to wait, and you got to you got to take advantage of the dopes out in Arizona, and I mean dopes because guess what? They're not very good at drafting, unless someone falls into the lap, i.e., Larry Fitzgerald uh, yeah. or Patrick Peterson. That's about or it. Or the or the time they got Anquan Bolden in the second round, yeah, because he ran a bad forty. Yeah, <laughs> the Ma- ama- amazing Pace. what the combine can do to That's, not, uh, do to players. It happens all the time. It does now on to our loser of the draft. Now my loser for the draft. The Oakland Raiders. Now, not only in one of the deepest defensive line drafts of all time, did they go to decide to reach, big reach on Clellan Farrell, 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 who knows? Clellan Farrell. You could have got him with one of your other first-round picks. But no, you drafted a guy who might not have even been rated as a first-round pick. It's probably more of a second or a third. A guy you definitely could have got later. And you did that. And you allowed quality to walk off to other teams. Christian Wilkins we talked about. Josh Allen, he ended up going to Jacksonville because they needed another defensive line. Hey, hey, we need another defensive pass rusher. Sure, why not? Go nuts. But Oakland being stupid was their gain. But no, no. My, my favorite part about this whole thing, I actually really like the Josh Jacobs pick. I, I, late in the first round, you get your running back. I was, you're, I was, I was damn close. I, I thought they were going to draft him at four. That's actually, yeah. <laughs> we talked about this, actually. You did throw that out there. And it, it happened just later. later on in the first round. But, but what makes me laugh, one of those later first-round picks, they went ahead and drafted a safety. Oh, why am I making? Why would I make fun of that? They need safety help. Well, they do. But let's just let's rewind a little bit. Let's go back a year when the Oakland Raiders could have drafted Derwin James, who, funny enough, ended up in their division with the Chargers. Derwin James is an absolute stud. But you know what the Raiders did? They went ahead and drafted an offensive tackle that, once again. Should not have gone where he was drafted. And they passed on Derwin James. And Gruden said, and I quote, We have enough safeties. Love Derwin James. Amazing player. But we didn't need another safety. Why? Why didn't you need another safety? Hmm? And then a year later, in the first round again, you draft the safety. Now, this kid could be great. Abram is supposed to be the best safety in the draft. He was the only one graded to be a first-rounder. So don't get me wrong. This could this kid could be phenomenal. It's for the fact that you passed on a kid that looks phenomenal 
who's going to play against you twice a year because you had enough safety depth. And then the very next year, you spent a first-round pick on one. So on top of drafting someone fourth overall that really didn't deserve to go there, you ran it back and did another stupid thing based on your draft before. This is what happens when you send all of your scouts home and you have a guy from ESPN. NFL Network, actually. The NFL Network. Oh, and, and oh, well, your GM is from the NFL Network. Your coach used to do ESPN. ESPN. You got a couple of talking heads as your football people, and look what happens. What? I would like to point something out. You said this to me off air. I would love to know what Mike Mayock... Would have said about this pick if he wasn't the one making it. Could you imagine that little thing? You know what I was. You know what I. You know what I would say when someone has to reach for a pick like this. I go, "How tall was the ladder that you had to use <laughs> to get up to that fucking pick?" What like? It's funny because both our losers are actually the Oakland Raiders. People are trying to bang the drum. They got a guy that might. I'm like, you're trying to. You're trying to tell me, in all these mock drafts, fine, he played at Clemson. And when you have a, def- a dominant defensive line, you try to figure out who's the best here. Because it's mm-hmm. never all of them. We see it with Alabama all the time. We, we see One guy carries. One guy carries. But because sometimes he's getting double teamed, these other guys roam free. Exactly. Was Cleland Farrell that guy? I don't know. I don't think so. But when you pick at number four... When you pick that high in the draft, you have to get an impact player. Day one starter right away. No question mark, no nothing. When you have guys like Devin they could have they could have easily taken Devin White and I'd be that's a great pick. You they get needed a, li- they needed everything on defense. So you know what to yeah. take your middle linebacker, your signal caller, you teach him. You do that. Hey, yeah. you know what? Good pick. Mm. But you know what you want, defensive linemen? And there's tons of them. Hey, you missed out on Nick Bosa. You might have dodged a bullet with those tweets and the mega That's whatever the hell is going on with him. Yeah. Does he look like a phenomenal football player? Yes. Does he also look like he might have a couple of screws loose up top? Might be a bit of an idiot. Might be a slightly he's racist. Also a guy, he's also a guy who quit on his football team. This let's is also let's never forget that. He's a guy that, that, that quit on his football team at Ohio State because he was more worried about his draft capital than his actual thing. And you want to know something? There's something in that Bosa family. It's called injuries. They happen to all of them. Every single one. The dad. The dad. Brother Joey. Joey. Nick. The other one's probably just going to be as injury prone as these two guys are. And when you have your, you draft someone at two and they're on the field half the time. And have all of the off the field questions that he has. Do you not do your research? John Lynch, you've had some good drafts. Do you not do your research? Do you not like have a. I'm knocking on my head. I don't know if you can, can. <laughs> you can hear that. Don't you use your head. Don't you use your noggin. Have a thought process. Do your pro- do your research. Dig as the. It's so easy. But you know to, what? To go on Twitter, go to a guy's Instagram or whatever. Or sorry, in Twitter page. Just search. go search and type in words. And if you start to see things, automatic off the board, off the board, off the board. You start seeing MAGA or anything, any like racist stuff. Anti women stuff. Don't even have him on your draft board. You could no. at two. You could have had Quinn and Williams. Exactly. No, no. Who, if you're the Raiders, ironically, it's hey, funny. you missed out on those two. You missed out on Quinn and Williams. Yeah. 
You missed out on Nick Bosa. You might have dodged a bullet with Nick Bosa, but you missed out on Quinn and Williams. But the sheer amount of defensive line talent still left. Like I said, Devin White, Devin Bush is there. Josh Allen, Ed Oliver, Rashawn Gray. You don't even have, like you don't even have to go and draft. You can move down mm-hmm. for Rashawn Gray. Acquire more picks. You need you need as much help on that defense as humanly possible. And you draft a defensive end that nobody really had even in day one. I bet you he was a little confused when he saw an Oakland area code. Like, yeah. who's Good. calling me? Oakland. Are they pulling the prank on me? Is someone is someone screwing me? And it's then, the fourth overall pick. I'm like, like, oh, now? Congratulations to the kid. Like, hey, yeah, for, for Clellan Farrell. Awesome. Congratulations, you went fourth overall. Maybe he's that's a, a huge pay boost from where you were supposed to go. Like you, mm-hmm. that that change that's life changing yeah. money. The amount of the the difference. Yeah. He was still going to be a millionaire either way. But the the difference to go from maybe in the second or third round, maybe not have a couple of years guaranteed to a top four pick with that draft slot and that salary mm-hmm. slot for him. Awesome. Congratulations. Congratulations. I I hope he does well mm-hmm. for himself. For a team that needs. A team that was last in getting the quarterback last year, for a team that traded their best pass rusher. Well, uh, that's that's the thing. Why why do we think they would know how to evaluate pass rushers when they traded Khalil well, Mack for nothing? They have Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock is supposed to know everything. But this is again, when a guy's in the media for so long, as a draft guy who you never has con- a little bit, yeah, who's never have consequences. Towards anything they ever say, because mm-hmm. hey, this guy's a guy, high motor guy. This guy's going to make a great pick, and then everyone forgets about it next year. Exactly. It, it, the Oakland Raiders whiffed on two of three of their first round picks. Whiffed. DeAndre the- Baker's okay, but he's going to get exposed. He plays in Oakland. Clellan Farrell. I don't believe he's going to have 10 sacks in two years. All right? They got no help on that defense. It's bad. Josh Jacobs probably going to be a fine running back. Yeah. Well, All that's right? if they have an offensive line for But him. that's if they have an offensive line. And that's if they have a quarterback. Because who knows with them, they might cut Derek, Daniel, whoever, car tomorrow and just say, screw it, we're done. Yeah. Big time losers, Oakland Raiders. But I'm not surprised. But guess what? You're not last. You're not the worst. You're a loser, but you're not the worst. And then there's Dave Gettleman and the New York football giants. (laughs) Sitting there at number six. Kyler Murray's off the board. Dwayne Haskins is the consensus pick. And they go up there. The sixth pick in the NFL draft, in the 2019 NFL draft. The New York football Giants select from Duke. No, this is not baseball. What, they think it was Zion they were getting? No, this is not basketball. From Duke, quarterback is Daniel Jones. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw the videos of Joe Button reacting to this and many other Giants feds reacting to this pick. <laughs> like I'm trying to come to the words for what happened here. And every single bit of this makes so little sense. 
when you look at Daniel Jones, his projectables are maybe Ryan Tannehill. Who we just mentioned a little while ago. Maybe. Very good. Possibly. Oh, and at absolute best, he could potentially maybe be a poor man's Eli Manning. What? Excuse me? Six overall. Angela? We don't have any words, and we know we don't want to hear them. (laughs) We understand your anger, your frustration, your sadness. Everything you're feeling, we get it. This isn't the end we imagined, and certainly not the one we wanted. Thank you for being there the entire way. (laughs) And if you don't know what that is, that's what the Tampa Bay Lightning said to their fans after getting swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets, and that's probably, probably what the Giants should have said after they flubbed this sucker. But no, 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 no. It just gets better. It just And no, don't get me wrong. I really like the Dexter Lawrence pick. I really do. He's a D-tackle, 17th overall, could have been a top-10 pick, had PED issues, but it's the NFL, and everyone's on steroids anyways, and it really, doesn't really matter because, you know, no one really remembers that Von Miller got tagged for steroids early in his career. That just is a thing that people forget. But to take Daniel Jones, the quarterback, Dwayne Haskins is still there. The quarterback that lost 58-7 to to Wake Forest and... It's just, when you look at Duke... The one who threw two touchdowns and nine interceptions versus Virginia? Yeah. How about the one who threw one TD and zero zero TD... uh, Sorry, one INT and zero TDs with a QB rating of 19 during a loss to a 1-11 Baylor team? Here's a guy. He was also the 81st ranked QB in the country in yards per attempt. Oh, and my personal favorite stat. Coming out of high school, he was a zero-star recruit. Now, hey, Baker Mayfield wasn't highly recruited, won himself a Heisman, but that's because, you know, he beat good teams and did some stuff, won a Heisman. Threw the ball, was the offense. Now, I have questions about Dwayne Haskins' ability as an NFL quarterback. He, one thing I can say without without question is he's got an NFL arm. Yeah. I know he's got that. He has an intangible. A reason to be drafted potentially in the first round as a quarterback. He he also, in his one season as a starter at Ohio State, threw more touchdown passes than Daniel Jones in his entire career. Actually, sorry, Daniel Jones threw 54, Dwayne Haskins threw 52. That's two and a half seasons for Daniel Jones. Why you say half seasons? Oh, he got hurt. Oh, well, you know, that'll, that'll explain. That doesn't explain the fact that the other two seasons... Wayne Haskins did more in one year. Daniel Jones did in his entire college career. Well, sorry. He had two more touchdowns, so he did slightly more. But I would also like to point out that Dwayne Haskins played at The Ohio State University. He played top competition all the time. And you know what else he did? Beat them on a regular basis. Now, did he also have a ridiculous assembly of talent? Yes. Did Daniel Jones have that assembly of talent? No. Daniel Jones still lost to any team that mattered. And by the stats, Angelo pointed out, he did it badly. Like, Josh Allen had issues last year, the Bills quarterback, about playing top competition. He didn't have those kind of issues. He also had an NFL arm. And he could also run. Yeah. Like, he can survive in the NFL. In today's NFL, if you can run and you got an arm, hey, you know what? You can survive. Exactly. We can teach you the other things. That's that's the, that's the intent. All these are intangibles. 
And, and you know what the best part was? If you had Dwayne Haskins and there might be some things you want to teach him, you want to bring him along, well, you've already said Eli's going to be there. So you could you could have him learn in the system. You could develop Dwayne Haskins. And you know what? Washington's football team has a lot of issues. But you know what Jay Gruden's actually good at? Developing quarterbacks. He's got Case Keenum in front of him, so there's no pressure. I mean, the owner's crazy, so the owner might get involved. But if Jay Gruden has his say, you could have Case Keenum, and you could teach Dwayne Haskins. And then if you can mold him into the quarterback you want him to be with all this talent, he's a lot better chance of turning out. But here's the best part. Dave Gettleman decided to have a press conference. Well, not decided. He needed to explain himself. <laughs> yeah, some, it's some questions that he needed to answer. And people asked him, From you know, the New York media. Why didn't you take him with your second pick? He said, and I quote, I know for a fact there were two teams that would have taken him before 17. If you look at any NFL insider, Madam Schefter, nobody knew who he was talking about. There were no two teams that were going to take him. You know what's funny? The Redskins made it know who they wanted. They wanted Dwayne Haskins. Mm -hmm. So they weren't taking him. Who else there was going to take Daniel Jones? Miami wasn't. Nope. They needed they need a quarterback in a bad way. Denver wasn't. Denver nope. traded out. And then they went and got their quarterback later in Drew Locke. The Titans weren't. No, no. And then Dave Gettleman followed it up with this gem. In three years, you'll see if I'll, I'm crazy. Yeah. Well, Dave, hate to break it to you, buddy. You're probably not going to still have this job in three years. And you want to know he's why? Like he's going to have it in one year, never mind three years. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be all that good in three years. No. And he might be gone as quickly as you are. Does Christian Ponder and Jake Locker reminisce names for anybody? <laughs> We've seen this. We've seen bad quarterbacks get taken. Like, I'll get, like the Denver Broncos, they took a quarterback, but they took Drew Locke. But in day two. A guy, a guy, you know, he has, he has one thing you could say is NFL. He's got a strong arm. Yeah. Like, it's it's the this thing. Is, this is NFL memes is the great is the greatest. Jones looked like he could play Eli if there was a base there was there was a made for TV movie about Eli Manning. Yeah. Like this is you know what this this is the real owner of the New York of the New York Giants coming to vault. Not the Maras. Eli Manning. Yeah. Okay, it's been like that since Eli got there. The Mannings now own the Giants, all right? Forget what you've heard before about the Mares, it's the Mannings. Because I asked you this off air, how many times, excluding Aaron Rodgers, has a team ever drafted the successor on the roster for a franchise quarterback? Excluding Aaron Rodgers, that would be zero times. And the New York Giants, do you know what they did? They did something I could never think that they would do. And something that the, the, the team that plays in the same stadium did the opposite of what they usually do. The New York Jets went to get someone who's going to attack the quarterback. Instead of reaching for a quarterback like Mark Sanchez, who wasn't very good in college, and, and translated to a a subpar NFL career. Mark Sanchez is hanging around because he's a first-round pick. 
First round picks are always given that benefit of the doubt. We'll give him one chance as a backup. How bad can he really be? Hopefully, we'll never have to start him. Fingers crossed. Okay, cover my eyes. All right. And then you saw him in Washington immediately get replaced by Josh Johnson. Yeah. Another backup quarterback who actually looked half decent. But Daniel Jones is not very good. This is not, a, this was like, there's nothing to write home about. Like, who's he going to learn from? Eli? Really? Eli? We've seen Eli. He hasn't been good for all but, what, 12 weeks of his entire NFL career? And those 12 weeks were because he got to the playoffs and he got hot at the right time. Anyone that thinks Eli is a Hall of Famer is on crack. I'm calling, I'm sorry, unpopular opinion. He's going to be a Hall of Famer because he's, be, he's got those two rings. But, yeah, his actual numbers. His numbers don't speak for himself. No. He's the third best quarterback in the draft. That draft. That yeah. that that Steeler that that Roethlisberger Rivers and Manning draft he's in that the third order. in that order. Those are the three best quarterbacks. <laughs> in Matt Schaub, I may take Matt Schaub, in uh. but they did the New York Giants thing. They reached for they reached for a quarterback when they didn't need to. The New York Giants are known for their pass rush. You're telling me you couldn't draft draft Josh Allen or Ed Oliver? Let's build our defense. You know what? Maybe we like. I like them going to get Jabril Peppers in the trade. I thought that was a good little move for them, helping trying to build the defense. You can build the rest of the offense throughout the rest of the draft. You don't need, like, you're going to be bad again. Why not hope that you're going to draft a decent quarterback? There's a lot of quarterbacks in next year's draft. So what happens when you're picking top five again next year? Maybe go Arizona's route. Are you going to draft <laughs> a, a quarterback? Because it's, it's a funny fact about the um, the New York Giants. In the last three seasons, they've selected the Senior Bulls MVP. Davis Webb in 2017, Kyle Laletta in 2018, and Daniel Jones this year. Now, the difference is Daniel Jones is the highest of the picks. But the best line I heard, you thought you know the three-year project was the best line? After three series, I fell in love with him at the Senior Bowl. You what? You Actually, mean you didn't scout him? You know what the best part was too? He even admits earlier in that exact same quote that Dwayne Haskins is clearly the best quarterback like, in the draft. Like if you if you're planning on doing the three year wait anyway with the quarterback, why not draft Haskins? Why not draft the kid who wants to play for you? This is always what I never understand. Draft. Sometimes it's better to draft a quarterback who wants to play for that hometown team. Okay, it sometimes works out, and 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 the times it doesn't. Guess what happens? You're the Pittsburgh Steelers looking for Dan Marino. Hmm. Okay? Hmm. <laughs> All right? You are the San Francisco 49ers looking for Tom Brady. All right? Those are the instances where the team passes. You're the Montreal Canadiens looking for, who was it? Is it Tremblay? No. They drafted Doug Wickenheiser. No, no, no. They drafted Doug Wickenheiser. <laughs> Marcel Dion. I think that's what it was. It was Marcel Dion. They drafted Doug oh, Wickenheiser. they passed on. They oh, passed okay. on. You dra- you, sometimes it's better to j- like If this was your plan, the three-year plan with anyway Daniel Jones, why not go Dwayne Haskins? He played. There's no excuse of them playing in different offenses. They both play in pro offenses. And if I'm picking a school to pick a quarterback out of, it's not Duke. It's Ohio State. Because how many times do we ever hear of the great Duke quarterback? He came up through the ranks. Or how many times do we hear about North Carolina and their great QB program? Or this school. Or this school. If 
very rarely happens. Mm-hmm. And these quarterbacks who do come out of these no-name football schools, they end up being guys like Carson Wentz, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, no-name guys, no-name schools, Miami of Ohio, NC State, Wyoming, whatever the hell it was. We're- oh, that was Josh Allen was Wyoming. Uh, he was San Diego State. No, San, South Dakota State. South, South Dakota State. Little schools, but when they come out, they're like, wow, this this is the guy. This is the guy. That's how it is. Not like guys like Daniel Jones. The uh, the New York Giants are going to be looking Those for a quarterback for the no next doubt. 100 years. Those guys are playing in conferences where they are the best player. Mm-hmm. I don't take a Mike Babcock line. They leave no doubt. Yeah. You know what you're – like you look at Jim and you're like, yeah, you're the best player in that conference. Even Josh Allen out of Wyoming. You looked at him and you're like, he's got issues. He's the best player in that conference. He obliterates that conference on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Still don't know what he's going to be in the NFL. Still some questions there. But still, you know what he is in his own conference. You don't even get that with Daniel Jones. That's the th- it, he, could, he could turn out to be a fine quarterback. It just – doesn't make any sense. There's a bad of a gaff in the Meadowlands or whatever the hell the stadium they played since, well, the Giants lost the Miracle at the Meadowlands Part 2? Ooh. Ooh. That bad. Oof. This is that bad. This is that bad. They'll be picking, I guess, you know, like in hockey, there's always like a cool, like, you know, uh, lose for Hughes yep. and, you know, uh, Tank for Tua. Tank for t- tank for. T- they're not going to be able to tank for Tua because they're going to be just too not like. Tua I'll, will probably be an Arizona Cardinal. By you the know what's next. hilarious about this? I just like to point this out too. Not only and, and this is an off season where I don't know if Dave Gettleman could have got any more flack for trading the best player on his team than he did for <laughs> trading Odell Beckham. Except he then went ahead and drafted Daniel Jones. And it's funny. It's like almost everyone's already forgotten about the, the, the Odell he thing. It's the like, guys. what the hell? Dave Gettleman has no history of being able to draft anyway. So this is just... It's just you know what's funny, too? You know what his, his specialty was in Carolina? Defensive line. Yeah. Like, you're telling me you couldn't draft... You're telling me you couldn't even use your pick... Look, even if... Look, I'd give him a pass if they were able to move back into the first round... Even before Washington and draft draft Daniel Jones, okay, fine, whatever. You'll forever be remembered if you took, you know, Daniel Jones and not Dwayne Haskins. Because these are what, like, these are what, like, you know, those bad tales from the NFL draft are written about. Mm-hmm. Passing on all these studs, passing on a quarterback that could have changed your franchise as a certain quarterback is trying to exit stage left, but because he's an owner, doesn't really have to because he owns the team. So it's basically like Jerry Jones running. You need like the you need the son to come in and say, look, Jerry. Look, Eli, you're done, buddy. Time to hit the road. I'll be doing all the picks from here now, and uh, yeah. But this just proved that the New York Giants have no clue what they're doing. Panic. There's a panic at move all. at six. Now, move on. More positive note: the NBA playoffs. Start off with the Raptors. Now I know they lost last night. Well, they lost Monday night. But that first game against Philadelphia 76ers. It's pretty damn good. And in that second game, they lost by five points, and they thought they shot 36%. And if it wasn't for Danny Green missing a wide open three with like two, I think it was 2.1 seconds left. Actually, there's 2.1 seconds left when they got the rebound and got fouled. But still, with 
under four seconds left. Danny Green could have tied it. He doesn't. That's the way the cookie the cookie crumbles sometimes. Remember load management? Remember Kawhi Leonard talking about how, you know, it's just 82 practice games until it's the playoffs. And, you know, once we get to the playoffs, that's when you'll see the real me. Oh, he was right. Oh, Lord, was he right. Kawhi is fully right right now. He's out here embarrassing people. A little bit more interesting for the 76ers series. Another acquisition by the Raptors, Marcus Saul. Now his passing's phenomenal and all of that. But he owns Joel Embiid. Absolutely owns him. And you know what? The Raptors lost last night. But did Joel Embiid do anything? Yeah, now granted, he had the nice little spin from the three-point line, the layup. Yeah, he had one nice play. He did. He had 14 points last night. Now, yeah, you got Jimmy Butler, you got Ben Simmons, you got Tobias Harris now. But if Joel Embiid isn't going, he's the best player on that team. And if Marcus Saul can keep him in check, he's got a wonky knee, by the way, Embiid does. But if he can keep him in check, Kawhi's going to eat. Because it doesn't matter who they put on Kawhi, they can't stop him. Oh, yeah, Pascal Siakam's pretty damn good, too. And he had a bad game in game two. I don't think that's going to happen again. No. Well, maybe one more time in this series if it all goes all the way. But if you look at this Raptors team, look at the 76ers team, this is the first time I've looked at a Raptors playoff team and been like, there's been plenty of times they've been better than the other team. But there's few times where they came out of the gate. In game one, specifically, because we talked about what happened in game one against the Magic. But in game one, they came out and stomped on the Sixers' neck. They had maybe a worse game in game two against the Sixers than they had in game one against the Magic. And they only lost by five points. They could have tied it. Your best three-point shooter went one for six from three, including that miss with time expiring. That's not going to happen again. I'm not all that worried about this matchup for the Raptors. I'm feeling pretty damn good about it. I told you when we were in our uh, call it a production meeting. That's basically what it is. <laughs> yeah, production pretty meeting. much. In our production meeting, I said, I go, wake me up when the Raptors get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Because at this point, I'm just like, you know, like when you're buckled into the flight and you fall <laughs> asleep and you wait for the plane to land? The plane landing is the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Because the Raptors team, this Raptors team is head and shoulders. Uh, and his shoulders above the Philadelphia 76ers. Their five is better than our five is better than their five. And our bench is better than their bench. The Raptors have the ability to dominate this series. Now they, yeah, granted, they did lose in game two. Also, speaking of bench, you think James Ennis is gonna have one of those games again? No. James Ennis the third? No. James Ennis no. no, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. This game, this series, I believe was going six games anyways. That's, I think I said that before. I yeah. think I said it on air. I know I said it to you, but I'm pretty sure I said it on the last podcast. I yeah. think this was going six. And you know what? I'll say they probably split in Philly. 
give Philly a win, Toronto will win. Yeah, I could see that. But then the Raptors will lock down the rest of the series the rest of the way and take it take it from there. Remember, the Raptors have one thing. They have home court advantage. And playing in Scotia well, Bank. Technically, or, they lost home court advantage, but they, I know what you mean. If they split in Philly, they have it again. They have it again. So, Which I'm fairly certain is going to happen. Yeah. And if they come away with a 3-1 lead, eh, don't expect much from Philly in Game 5, yeah. and it'll be basically over. But this Raptors team, having Kawhi, Kawhi's a top three player in the NBA. He's there again, and they can't stop him. And if the series does get stretched out, when you look at this Toronto team, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Saul, Danny Green, Kyle Lowry, these are veteran players. But it's not just that they're veteran players. They're very intelligent veteran players. These are guys that think the game at another level. So the more looks they get at what you do, the better they're going to get at stopping it. Now, I know the Magic were nowhere near the caliber of the Sixers, but every game that that series went, Toronto got better and better and better and better. And yeah, game two, you know, game two was your game one. Hey, you finally won a game one. That, that's, I can't you know what I mean? It. You finally won a game one. That you you smashed in game one. You took a little bit of a stumble in game two. I'd be looking for them to get right back going in game three and running for the rest of the series. Now, under the other Eastern series, the Celtics obliterated the Bucks, And, uh-oh. Now, granted, the Celtics plenty of times this year have looked great, only to have infighting and injuries and just poor play kind of tanked the whole thing. But in the playoffs, things are a little bit different. And Kyrie, once he gets to the playoffs, takes his game to a whole nother level, which he has done here. Plus, by the way, Gordon Hayward kind of looks good again. Jason Tatum didn't even have a great game in game one, and Al Horford might be the most underrated player in basketball. He just he is might underrated. be. He's very underrated. No one ever gives Al Horford the credit that he deserves. It's been like that for a while. Remember mm-hmm. last year in the series with LeBron? Like, he was part of the reason why it kept going so far. Like, the Boston Celtics are a very good basketball team. Have probably the second best coach in all of the NBA in Brad Stevens. Milwaukee's a very young team. Mm-hmm. And Giannis is is going to continue to dominate the way he is. But sometimes Giannis is not going to be enough. And there's a lot more on Boston versus just, just Giannis. Yeah. And now, granted, the, the Bucks have Chris Middleton and they got... Eric Bledsoe, mm-hmm. but none of those guys are at the level of Kyrie's running mates. No. I take Jason Tatum over all of them. Yeah. And Gordon Hayward. And that's like just Jason Tatum. That's exactly. That's not Gordon Hayward. That's not Jalen Brown. That's not Terry Rozier. Mm-hmm. That's not Al Horford. The Bucks try and stop you from getting to the hoop. That's their game. They want to stop you from shooting threes. They want to stop you from getting to the rim. They want you to take a lot of twos, long twos, which is nowadays it's a shot that nobody wants to take. Except for the Celtics have guys that are really good at hitting them. Celtics can play any way you want to. You want to play up-tempo? Cool, they'll run with you. You want to slow it down and get nasty? Oh, they'll beat the hell out of you. You want to shoot threes? They'll shoot threes. You want to shoot long twos? They'll shoot long twos. The Celtics team can do everything, and the Bucks, the way that they play, allows those long twos 
which allows the Celtics to shoot them at a great percentage to continue to knock them down, which is going to cause some issues for the Bucks. Now, the Bucks still have Giannis. Buddenholzer is a great coach. I don't think they're getting swept. No. But I think Boston has woken up. You started to see it near the end of the year. I said this when they beat the hell out. Well, the games were close, but they swept Indiana. They look like they got their shit together, and it's a scary thought. You know what we're on a collision course for, right? Toronto-Boston? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, for me, as a Raptors fan, Toronto-Boston doesn't really mean much. It's just Toronto and Boston. It's just Raptors versus Celtics. Just you a, son of a bitch. And it's just a normal everyday, you know, matchup. It's the, it's, the, it's probably the two. It's the top three. To the one of the top three teams in the Eastern Conference. Probably top six in the all, all the NBA. So it's not that you know crazy to think it. But for my fine feathered friend over here, Stephen, this cuts deeper. And if you didn't hear last week's podcast. Go listen to it. 20-minute rant. I shut my microphone off. My microphone was off the entire time. I did accounting. I worked on my accounting stuff. (laughs) But the good news is, is that the Rodgers are actually the better team. And guess who they don't have coaching them? Dwayne Casey. Or Mike Babcock. They have Nicholas Nurse. I don't know his middle name. I can't pull it up. But Nicholas Nurse. We're going to call him Nicholas. Smarter coach. Understands it. Makes adjustments. Deep breaths. It'll be okay. I promise you, Stephen. All right. All right. There you go. Over the Western Conference. You got Warriors Rockets. James Harden's already crying. The Rockets? You mean the crybabies? Yeah. We're, we have James Harden already mm-hmm. talking about how, you know, you saw what happened to Kawhi, and we don't need that high. I just want to be able to, to make it out of this, seat, this series healthy. Yeah. Uh, uh, James? Um, yeah, maybe if you didn't jump into every defender trying to draw fouls that aren't there. It looked like the refs got together and basically went, we getting, we getting punked today? Nah, we ain't calling this. We're just going to let it happen. Now, granted, the Warriors closed out. In a, they, they, they closed out hard. They did get underneath of him a few times. But for the most part, James Harden's kicking his feet into the legs of the defender, falling on his ass, and then rolling around on the ground like he's Neymar. Chris Paul can't contain himself. Double technical, kicked out of the game. And the Warriors go up one nothing. I know Boogie's gone. I know a lot of their depth is gone. The Warriors are still the Warriors. I don't think the Rockets are beating them. Now it's one game. But what I saw in that game was a Rockets team relies a little bit too much on the referees. And in the NBA where they might have the worst officiating in all of the major sports. You can't do that. You cannot rely on the referees to win you a game. Especially when it's against the Golden State Warriors. It's not going to happen that way. Do you have anything to add to this? (laughs) 
<laughs> we mentioned last week about certain teams playing team basketball and certain teams playing hero basketball. And the team that plays hero basketball is the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. And ironically, the team with all the superstars plays team basketball. Move the ball around. Move the ball. They get the open shots. They give it to the guy who's going to shoot the ball. Sometimes it's Steph. Sometimes it's Clay. Sometimes it's KD. The last like six games, it's been KD. Sometimes it's even Sean Livingston or Draymond, Draymond Green, Green or, or you know what? Maybe even Steve Kerr is taking the three from the bench. <laughs> Quinn Cook. Who it happens? But they play team basketball in Houston. And a player that used to play for OKC suffers from the same fate that is of a player that currently still plays on OKC. He's playing another guy who has adopted the team basketball mentality in Kevin Durant. James Harden is all about hero ball. James Harden has been trying, he's been doing this step back three. Where it's actually three steps. Where it's three steps and getting the foul. Because he kicks at people. Up and down. That's all you get. You're kicking your legs out. You know what? That's fair game of, I'd literally pick him up and just slam him on the ground. I'll take the double tack. I don't give a shit. But you know when you play a hero ball moment? When there's 10 seconds to go. You want it in the best shooter's hand. Now, for most teams, it'll be the one player they trust the most. Yeah. For the Rockets, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. But for the Warriors, they really have three guys. Two when you boil it down in Steph and KD. They have a little bit of a benefit. That now, I would trust it if you kicked it to Clay in a corner. Yeah. But those two alone, pretty great options. Yeah. But the rest of the game, for 47 and a half minutes, they play team basketball. The Houston Rockets play 48 minutes of hero ball, and it's not going to work out. In the last 30 to 40 seconds, fine, you can play a little hero ball. That's fine. I understand that. But you can't do it the whole game. Look, this is the how many times they've matched up, and this is really supposed to be the Eastern, uh, sorry, the Western Conference Finals. But the reason it's not, it's because of the, the Rockets being the Rockets. Being the most overrated team in the NBA. In the big moments, they choke. They throw up on themselves. James Harden's not a big moment player. Russell Westbrook's not a big moment player. There's only one big moment player, and his name's Kevin Durant, and he plays for the other team. Good luck trying to beat the Golden State Warriors. That's all I'm say. On the last series, Denver taking on the Portland Trailblazers. This Denver's is gonna be up one nothing. This is a seven game series. Easily. Oh, yeah. This one's going to be a war, mm-hmm. and I think this is the series. I thought it was going to potentially be against OKC because of Steven Adams, but Steven Adams offensively is nowhere near what Nikola Jokic is. No, no, no. And considering Yusuf Nurkic was a walking double-double who then broke his leg, who would be especially motivated to play Denver considering they traded him to open up the playing time for Nikola Jokic, him not being there is going to be huge. Now, Dame and CJ, that's that's the heart of their team. Those guys are still going to be able to score enough that they'll do. They're going to win a few games. This the series is going to go a little while. When I look at Denver in this specific matchup, especially without Nurkic, 
Gary Harris plays pretty good defense. So does Will Barton. And they got guys that can really put it in the hoop. Jamal Murray can go off 30-40 at any time for a kid that shoots like that. And Nikola Jokic is basically a point guard playing center. Sounds about right. This series is going to be a war. And I went into this thinking, okay, Denver, nice season. You, you got taken to the limit by the Spurs because pop being pop. And you know what? Maybe you go out in this second round. But I look at the way that this these teams are matched up. I think Denver has a real chance to get to a Western Conference Final. Now I think they have a real chance to get to a Western Conference Final and get smoked. But we talked about this was a young team. This is a build. This is a building block type of season. You got young players that are coming together. Most of them they've already locked up. And the guys they haven't locked up are still in their rookie deals. Yeah. So this team's going to be good for a long time, and they're going to be good together. We're going to watch them learn how to win here in the playoffs. And you're seeing Jamal Murray again prove that he's the best Canadian NBA player in the NBA right now. See what happens when RJ shows up. But right now. It's Jamal Murray. It's not Andrew Wiggins. It's Jamal Murray. And Nikola Jokic in the playoffs, I think, is ready to have a real coming out party because he already put up a triple-double, and I think it's just he's just getting started. What's going to make this series close, and it's going to be it's part of the war, it's Lillard and McCollum. Yeah, McCollum, like those, that's but the only th- way. That, that's, this is the only way the series is going to be close. And because it's Lillard and McCollum, they're going to win games because those two yeah. by themselves could just – you saw Lillard do it in Game 7. The most cold-blooded... No, did in Game 5. Oh, yeah, Game 5. Sorry. Most cold-blooded moment of this playoffs was that. Filthy. And right in Paul George's This is a seven-game series, so we'll be talking about it a little more because it'll probably be the longest series of this playoffs in this round. Now, we move on to the NHL. A little bit of rapid fire. Key up what's going on in the second round. Uh, this first series, I don't... Acknowledge that it's even happening. But it's happening, I'm just Steven. waiting for Columbus to win. It's happening, Columbus though. is playing an unnamed team that wears black and yellow. Who's the team? Where are they from? Massachusetts. What, what, what's the They're city? from a state that no longer exists. Yeah, Let's but put it's it there. It's, nope, it's, isn't it's it part fine. of the Commonwealth or whatever they call it in the States? Co- I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what they call it. I don't that. know what to tell you. Series is tied at 1-1. Artemi Panarin went roof. To tie that series at one in double overtime. Steven's watching the series. He just doesn't want to talk about it. Let's go Columbus. <laughs> On to the New York Islanders, <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, but I wanted to talk more about the Boston Bruins. Here. I'm going to shut off my mic and you go <laughs> I'm ahead. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know Steven doesn't want to talk about it. I know he's rooting for Columbus. He can't wait for Artemi Panarin to join. I don't know whatever team he's going to join. Matthew Shane's going to probably join the Hazards. I'm just calling it now. Yeah, it could. No, At 121 on Tuesday, April the 30th, Montreal's going to sign Matthew Shane. That's cool. Fantastic. New York Islanders, Carolina Hurricanes. Ever since Evgeny Svechnikov got knocked out. Wake me up when the series is over, please. Carolina's this is so good. boring. This is the worst. This is... The Islanders can't score. Yep. Carolina has only scored a little bit. They scored as, as Bruce uh, – sorry, as uh, – Barry Trot stated, they played hockey for 48 seconds, and they won the game. Well, it's because you can't score. This is the problem. This is probably why they're going to try and 
offer sheet or tra- sign players in this upcoming offseason because you need to give some offense to your poor hey, franchise. You know who could center. really use Artemi Panarin? Matt Barzell. Matt Barzell. <laughs> he can use a lot of players, actually. Anybody. Help. Anybody. This series. It's going back to Carolina. And this Carolina team, they're kind of just that. I guess they're the Cinderella team. Yeah. They're riding, they're riding the so wave hard now. So are we going to get the now. two Cinderella teams in the next round, like Carolina versus Columbus and whatever else happens? That'd be an excellent matchup, just saying. I'd be all for that. Works for me. The Islanders, you know what? Them getting to the second run. round, it's 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 a bonus for them, for a team that really— This is just another check mark too, on Barry Trotz's resume. Like, finally gets it done, wins the Stanley Cup, yeah. and then takes this group of misfits to not the playoffs. Not only did the Islanders go farther without their old captain— but Barry Trotz went farther than his old team did. Mm-hmm. Both actually old teams in the Nashville Predators and Washington Capitals. Barry Trotz is out here winning. Just winning. Playing just solid defense. Now, over to the West. Team I want to see win the Stanley Cup. San Jose Sharks. Jumbo Joe. Tied one apiece with the Colorado Avalanche. Holy Christ, Nathan McKinnon. We said this about the last... Like, the first round about, like, Nathan McKinnon and last year, you know, it was kind of his coming out party and then he didn't win the heart. And, you know, that line was phenomenal to start this year. And then Colorado was out of the playoffs. Welcome to the Nathan McKinnon show. Oh, yeah. All right. I hope you have buckled in for it. You are tuned in and you're watching. I know it's on the West Coast, which sucks a little because it's like seven time zones away. It's actually three. (laughs) But it feels like seven. Yeah. Because by the time these games end, it's almost it's after midnight, uh, and if yeah. they go overtime, it's the ten o'clock starts, and then ooh. thanks, thanks overtime. I'm well, there goes my morning, <laughs> done. But Colorado showing lots of fight, not being pushed around by this San Jose team, and I have to imagine that this San Jose San Jose team is a little exhausted after going to seven. after going to seven with with. The Vegas Golden Knights. They're going to multiple overtimes in those seven games. Like it's 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 hard on the body. And when you are an older team like San Jose is, playing a younger, faster team like Colorado. And you're missing one of your best players in Joe Pavelski. It, it's very difficult. Now, this series, six to seven games, I've kind of maintained that. You know, Philip Grubauer hasn't been awful. No. And depending on what Martin Jones, San Jose gets, that's the thing. Because in the games that they won, in Game 6 in the elimination game, in Game 5 in the elimination game, in Game 7, almost cost them the game. But in the overtime, he made big saves. The San Jose Sharks are only going as far as their goaltending. Goaltending lets them down, that's it. For Colorado, this is all bonus for them. Yeah, 100%. Okay? And guess what this team is about to add? They're about to add another player because Ottawa is stupid. Well, let's let's talk about the player they added in Ka- oh Kale McCarr. Oh boy, people talking about this kid is like he's one of the best best defensemen not in the NHL. He's phenomenal. We want to see him. We can't wait to see him. Remember when we talked about that trade that Vegas made? They traded that kid Brandstrom, and he was the best defender not in the NHL. Oh boy, were they wrong? They it was Kale McCarr, and not only is he showing it, he's showing it in the playoffs in his debut. Now, granted, Evander Kane took him for a walk, scored that goal. But other than that, he's been phenomenal. He has not looked out of place. When young defensemen come up, they sometimes look out of place. This kid came straight out of college and looked like he's been playing in the NHL for, what, four or five years? Like, he's not only—it's not just—he's not just steady. Because I could see, like, a defensive defenseman, you could plug him in, he'd be steady, take care of— 
this kid makes plays. This kid isn't scared. He'll skate the puck up. He'll dangle your jock strap off. He'll make the pass. He'll score the goal. He'll do all the things. Do you know who this reminds me of? Who? Reminds me of a defenseman that was called up in the playoffs. Did he happen to be a right-handed shot? Did he maybe play for the Montreal Canadiens? Did he maybe get traded? Did he maybe wear number seven? He might be getting traded again for the record. That's okay. But um, <laughs> reminds me a little of PK. Sort of that same thing. Came up halfway through. the. He basically came up in the playoffs because the Habs were running the four borderline defensemen system with, like, nobody. And he came up, and he played well, and he looked good. And that's what Makar is going on. Someone's in our uh, outside our podcast studio currently making faces at Steven. See, I can't see him because I have my back turned to him. So it works out beautifully. But, yeah, I know Steven loves Kale McCart. And he loves P.K. Subban. Holy shit. Hey. hey. <laughs> I'm not talking about Montreal. Steven brought up Montreal. Quick uh, last word podcast featuring Nick Hudson. Yeah. Hey, yeah. What's up, guys? <laughs> not even on mic. <laughs> not even on mic. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, 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 Mike 4, Mike, Mike 3. Ah, yeah. uh, uh. There you go. It actually works, go. surprisingly. I'm surprised. No buzzing or It just doesn't either. sound the no. greatest. It doesn't sound the greatest. You might have to crank that sucker up. That's okay. Sorry. I want to say, keep on rocking, you guys. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> and that was Nick Hudson, ladies and gentlemen. That's Nick Hudson. Nick Hudson, ladies and gentlemen. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> but as I was saying, it reminds me of, of the way that PK came up and never looked out of place and then just took off the next year because that's what's going to happen. He's going to end up playing the following year with the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, and by the way, Tyson Berry's probably going to get a nice little paycheck too. Having those two play on your top pairing. And your top power play too. Nice. They might be one of the only teams that are going to run two defensemen on a power play boat. And they have Samuel Gerard, who they don't know what to do with on the power play now. And that guy knows what he's doing there. Man, it must suck to be a Colorado fan. (laughs) Shit. Everything's coming up avalanche And they get the fourth overall pick. Jesus. Thanks, Ottawa. (laughs) And finally, Dallas at St. Louis. Dallas versus St. Louis. It's 2-1 for the Dallas Stars. My God. Speaking of young defensemen who are incredibly talented. Snubbed. Oh, my God, Snubbed. Miro Heiskin. Snubbed. Oh, didn't even. Snubbed. I know Jordan Binnington had a nice run. Snubbed. I know Dallin was first overall and is a great defenseman doing great things out there in Buffalo. And Elias Peterson is winning the Calder. He is if he doesn't. If Jordan Bennington wins the Calder, it's the greatest Travis D since Andrew Raycroft won it and not Michael Ryder. You had to bring up that name. Always. I love bringing them up just every so often. Just a little nudge. But it's like a anyways, love tap. Back to Dallas. They're basically running three defensemen. They're basically playing 30 minutes each. John Klingberg, Essa Lindell, Miro Heiskinen. Who's, does he turn 20 yet? I think he just turned 20. He might actually he might still be just, a teenager. <laughs> I got a feeling he's still a teenager. No, I think, I think he's actually he is a grown boy. Just out here. And not only did that defense... Outplay the Nashville Predators and PK Subban, Romeo Yossi, and Matthias Ekholm, Ryan Ellis, and company. Well, now he's going up against Alex Petrangelo and Colton Perenko, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> this is phenomenal. Oh, and by the way, Dallas might have a second line center in Rupee Hints. 
Radix Fax is now down on that third line. Matt Zuccarello, who they acquired, doing a real nice job alongside Rupi Hints. This Dallas team looks pretty damn good. They are pretty good. There's a reason why they got through the last series with relative ease, I would say. And game, you know, game, th- these games are going to go back and forth between these two teams. One, division rivals. Two, similar built. The issue with Dallas is that they don't have the depth that St. Louis has on the forward side. But they play phenomenal defense. In a game that is all about scoring, what gets lost in all of it is the defensive play by teams. And Dallas, who used to play, as we mentioned, fire wagon hockey. Oh, yeah. All right. Will we score five? Will we score six? We don't know. Will we give up seven? We don't know. We'll figure it out. But hey, we got you. We're going to score at least five. You're going home with free chicken wings if we do. But Dallas is buttoned up. And in game two, I was listening to game two. When it was 4 on 4, it was wild. In a two minute span, three goals were scored. Mm-hmm. Dallas scored two, and St. Louis scored one. And it was like bang, bang, bang. Very fast. Like, literally, you breathe, and it's like, they're not even announcing the next goal. And it scored. And it scored. Like, these two teams are very evenly matched. The only, see, I give Dallas the edge in goaltending. I give Dallas the edge on defense. But where I give the St. Louis Blues the, the big advantage is down the middle, at forward, and the ability to roll four lines. Because if push comes to shove, they can roll the four lines, and, and Dallas can only probably roll two and a half, mm-hmm. which is could be an issue as this series progresses. But I think this might be the best first-round series. We'll see how the San Jose-Colorado one shapes up, but I, I know even though St. Louis is currently up 2-1, to one, I know this series is not over. In fact, it's oh, far God, from no. over. And get ready for a Game 7, because if you didn't have enough last year, or sorry, last last uh, ser- last round, you'll be getting some this round. Mm-hmm. And they will be harder, and it'll be faster, and it'll be even better, because the NHL playoffs, and I've repeated this over and over again, the best playoffs in the world. The best. So much drama. So much heartache. So much joy. It's great. Steven hates me that I just said joy and hate in the same, because he's got hate in his mind. Oh, I hate in my heart. Hate in your heart. <laughs> For a state that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, but it does. Nope. Steven's trying Don't to acknowledge it. Steven just hates the... But that's all the time we have for this week. <laughs> Steven hates the state of Massachusetts. <laughs> yes, I do. Me? Meh. You know you do. You they, know you do. They make great it. clam chowder. I will say you that. You hate the Patriots. You hate the Bruins. Oh, I hate the Bruins. I hate the Patriots. I love clam chowder, though, and they make phenomenal clam chowder. I've never had clam chowder. It's delicious. I recommend trying it. I'm good. But that's all the time we have for this week. This is the Last Word Podcast. I'm Steve Artebello. I am Angela Lippa. And until next week, see ya. Sweet Lord, please have mercy. Baby Jesus, please save us. I know I used up my three favors. Back to center like a week later. New car, speed racer. Copper crib, need acres. Most of all, we all need prayer. Karma coming, beware. I don't know where I'm going, but I hope I'm on the right path. Life will hit you with a light jab. Mike Tyson, strike back. You niggas going out, slight sad. Boy, I'm all about my back. New drip. 
I grab, I just wanna get my life back It's no complaining on this side, my nigga shit is not tolerated Cause some niggas off like an operation, now my team way more consolidated Sweet presidential, that's inauguration, cause we cooking crack like Ronald Reagan Chip on my shoulder, boy, I'm not